the giant. Thinkers. Giant Thinkers Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm Ram Castillo, and in this podcast, I'm bringing to you top experts from various industries worldwide to learn from their success and to help us become better designers, creatives, and giant thinkers. Hello, wonderful giants. Ram Castillo here. We are pumping out episode number 21 with a guest who is the co-founder and managing director of Thank You. They make water, food, and body care products, then give 100% of the profits to help end global poverty. Their recent video was brought to my attention only a few days ago, and I had to get this gentleman on the show because I was so moved by their cause and impressed by their actions to bring their vision into reality. As of January 2016, they've given over $3.7 million to help people in need, helped get safe water to over 192,000 people, helped feed almost 90,000 people, and help the hygiene and sanitation of over 300,000 people. I'm certain you'll be inspired by this interview. Before we dive into it, I'd like to mention that this episode is supported by our friends at Solver. S-O-U-L-V-E-R. It's an app that basically functions as a notepad calculator in one. Solver lets you do quick calculations and figure stuff out. Just type in your problem and Solver shows you the answer. It's smarter and clearer than a calculator and quicker to use than a spreadsheet available for Mac, iPad, and iPhone. They've even been generous enough to give Giant Thinkers listeners 20% off. The discount is already applied if you head to giantthinkers.com slash solver. That's S-O-U-L-V-E-R. The clickable link is also on this podcast post. And a range of people are using this from all over the world, from designers, students, teachers, engineers, business people, and even those suffering from dyslexia. Grab it at giantthinkers.com slash solver. Now it's with great excitement to introduce to you the man behind the incredible business and social enterprise success story, someone that has been a recipient of the Junior Chamber International 10 Young Outstanding People of the World Award. It's none other than Daniel Flynn. Daniel Flynn, welcome to the Giant Thinkers podcast, mate. It's great to have you on the show. The thing that excites me the most about chatting with you today is that you're a perfect example of utilizing creative consciousness and entrepreneurship for social good. And I'm excited for the listeners too, um, for them to hear about the enormous impact you've created, especially in the last seven years. Ram, thanks so much, mate. Thanks for having me on the show. Pleasure. All right. So the first one out of the gates is always an icebreaker. And uh, your one is, uh, what makes you laugh out loud? Oh, what makes me laugh out loud? (laughs) I appreciate the icebreaker. I got you there, eh? After a long day. Yeah, long day at work. But I'll, I'll, um, look, I love awkward moments, to be honest. And it's not, it's not the best thing to laugh out loud about, but (laughs) Man, I don't know what it is about awkward moments, but it, yeah, if it's awkward, I probably will laugh out loud. Well, that's and, why I probably, you know, most people tune into reality TV. Yeah, that's it. Nice. So look, yeah, let, let's get straight into um, your expertise. Now, where would you say your your expertise lies? 
It's a great question, man. I think for, you know, it's not, it's not something I often sit down and consider. Um, but I suppose when I look at my role and even the last seven years, it's, um, you know, it's been around communication really. And, you know, sharing a vision and, and that, and, and pitching, I suppose, I, I hate the word pitching. I don't look at myself as a salesperson, more a storyteller. And I just love this idea that, you know, with our organization at Thank You, we're telling a story and we're inviting people to join us on that journey. And so a lot of my role, you know, day to day plays out in, in kind of sales or, you know, growth, uh, and strategy. Um, you know, a lot of the campaigns and the things we do, I'm pretty heavily involved in that strategically. So yeah, expertise. I'm probably still trying to figure it out to be honest, but, um, no, that's definitely a nice way of putting it. Yeah. Um, and I totally respect, um, you know, what you were saying there and it, and it does intertwine with all, all those, all those aspects. So can you tell us uh, a little bit about your childhood and how you grew up? Yeah, man. So I grew up, um, two sisters that are younger than me, uh, twins, Jess and Mel, uh, great mum and dad who, you know, yeah, just great parents. Mum was a teacher, dad was a lawyer, but they both had a pretty cool outward focus. And I think for me, pretty, pretty kind of standard upbringing. I probably got a couple of detentions at school for being a little bit cheeky. Um, and I was also at school, that kid, um, the one running around the schoolyard selling gobstoppers or cans of Coke or washing cars. And uh, I did it. I don't think it was about the money. I just thought it would be fun. Um, so that was me when I was younger. Yeah, very cool. I think I, I would have done the same thing, you know, when there was uh, time to chuck out some stuff. I, I didn't want to chuck it out. I'd rather uh, sell it as a garage sale at the front of the house or... That's it, man. Opportunity. Opportunity. I take it. So, uh, mate, let's dive into uh, thank you and the uh, the moment really that that thank you and the idea of that came about. Yeah, cool, man. So, look, I, um, I was in first year university and I, I was studying uh, construction management. I wanted to get into property development, um, pretty interested in business, but particularly in property. And I kind of had this five-year plan mapped out, finish uni, um, get into construction and a whole bunch of stuff. Um, but in first year, it took a completely different turn. What degree did you end up taking, by the way? So it was project management in construction. Got it. Wow. Um, it was a ba- Bachelor of Applied Science at RMIT. And, and bro, honestly, man, it was so boring. Like there was a <laughs> there was an entire semester uh, on, on concrete. Like I turned up thinking, <laughs> oh, cool, a class on concrete. No, six months on concrete, man. So I'll make sure to hit you up on that whenever I get stuck on, on, yeah, man, on the bro, subject. I, I slept through most of it. So so <laughs> so that was not um that wasn't for me. But um I had a moment doing I was doing some uni research and getting distracted as normal, but I got caught off guard by this little stat I saw on on my screen that said 900 million people uh, don't have access to clean water. Mm, It's a lot. Well, yeah, it's a lot. Actually, I had that thought and I actually thought it's too big. Like (laughs) for the the kid who hasn't traveled much, I'm thinking, nah, 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 not 900. You know, like that, like it's obviously a, a blown out stat. And I well, could, we had, we had bubblers, right? In our primary schools or, you know, totally schools or in America, they're called um, water fountains or whatever. But yeah, you just drink as much water as you want. That's it, man. Like, like, I, you know, I never really ever probably up until that point at age 19 ever stopped to consider water as, you know, as a, as a daily issue for people. And, and, and the stories of 
I mean, there's big numbers out there and I discovered 900 million was a real number, but four and a half thousand kids are dying every day from waterborne disease. Mm. And I'm like, that's so crazy. But then when I watched stories of like kids and, and when I heard them tell their story, that's when it, I suppose it went from just numbers to what the heck like how could we live in a world where this still goes on and you got kids losing brothers and sisters and I'm thinking, well, if that was if that was my story, imagine if I lost Jess and Mel because mm. the water I got them killed them. Like how, how do you even process that? All right. So so you've you've been met with this this uh you know really daunting fact. Um and you're you're what, nineteen years old? Yeah. yeah. And so you're you're in university and you're in the middle of concrete class. And what yeah, yeah, what do yeah. you what do you do next what did you what was your next move like yeah and, and the reason why i ask is because you know m- most of us have ideas and, yeah. and some of us have too many to the point yes. where we just let yes. it sit there because yeah. they can seem overwhelming but um y- you know what you've created for the audience um you know i'll let you explain what what that what it actually is and the type of model it is but it's it's really a juggling act of of, yeah. of the uh the running the business slash funding slash creating a product slash marketing so yeah man take it away <laughs> okay, okay man look look, it's an interesting one at this point by 19 i'd sponsored a child through world vision and in my head i've kind of ticked the box of helping the world that doesn't sound great but that's sort of where my head was at so i'm thinking i've done my bit up until this moment where I'm watching these stories and I was moved a fair bit, um, probably even more when I considered that, you know, okay, if that was my story, I would have lost my family. Now I'm like, I've gone from that move to disturbed, like this, this isn't right. And, and like you said, Ram, like we all have ideas, but I had this idea because I kept seeing the world water crisis statistics be compared to the bottled water industry. And back in 2008, it was, uh, $50 billion spent globally on bottled water, mm. which is ridiculous, right? But today, $100 billion is spent on bottled water. And I personally think bottled water is it's a silly product. Mm. You know what I mean? Like we get, we get tap water for free. Right, right. What are we doing? We're, we're, and, but from time to time, like we all still buy it simply because we, you know, we'll pay for convenience. And so I had this idea which was what if, instead of just talking about the vast difference between bottled water and world water crisis, what if there was a brand where 100% of the profit from that bottle of water went to helping people who, who needed access to water? Mm-hmm. And, and, and in that, like I suppose for me in that moment, when I walked away, I was moved by the cause, but I also just thought, Flip, that idea should be out there. Like how hard could it be? Surely it couldn't be that hard. And I suppose it was the the, the magic of the idea yep. and and that kind of being moved to buy something so much bigger than just me that set us on a pretty uh, interesting trajectory. Okay. So what was the uh, the first sort of step that you took? Well, I, the, the first step I took was catch up with my best mate, Jared, um, and my girlfriend, Justine, and basically say, hey, look at this. This is crazy. Here's some problems. I had this idea. What do you reckon? Jared's like, he's a good mate. He's like, I'm in, let's do this. It couldn't be too hard. Um, <laughs> Justine loved it. Um, she, she traveled unlike me, she'd traveled to developing countries and she'd already done some like aid and development work from like as young as 14. So she was studying marketing, uh, and, and, and going for a business degree. So for her, this was like, this was her dream kind of 
career or whatever. And, and, and so the three of us set out, we've got a couple of other mates on board and just went, I wonder if we could pull this off, uh, launch a brand, take on Coca-Cola. How hard could that be? Um, and, and that was like this crazy naive approach we had seven years ago. Um, and, and you know, we actually, we fight to keep that today because I'm so glad we didn't know what we were doing. Um, because that is what started this whole thank you brand um, and this whole concept and this this sort of consumer movement that's kicked off. Yeah, I love that. And and you know, there's something about that naivety or that childlike thinking of of yeah, hey, how hard can it be? You know, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. that sort of you know, uh, I was doing it when I was a kid. You know, we all were jumping off things we probably shouldn't have jumped off, or yeah, you know, it. thinking, oh well, you know, let's let's give this a go. And and I think um, you embody that very representation but in a in a very um i guess in in a world where we need more bravery yeah you you have gone out and tried to make something of an idea um not for yourself or your own personal gain but um to to see how you can affect uh people with lack and, and I think, mate, that's totally admirable. So, so it was really with the bottled water, wasn't it? That was the start of, yeah. of it all. That, that was the start of it. We, we called the bottle of water thank you. We just love this word thank you. It's so positive. We weren't too sure if you could call a brand thank you. Um, so obviously, someone called their product Apple and it works. So we're like, cool, anything's possible. Um, we, we just, we, 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 the early meetings, man, were so raw. Like we would walk into these, these bottling plants who have, I mean, these are the guys that bottle for the big brands and we know that just from like a bit of web research and a few calls. Um, and we'd walk into, I mean, well, we'd actually, we'd drive into their car park and we'd take the P plates down mm. as we drove in. Um, so, you know, the, the provisional license for all those American listeners. Yeah, yeah. And you have to stick these things up in your window. So we'd pull them off out of the window just so that we didn't look too young. And we'd, you know, I, I mean, I wore my dad's suit. I thought it looked good, but it probably didn't. But we're trying to be professional. We said, like, we're launching a huge brand of water in Australia. And people are like, you, you're up against these big players. You need this money. You need that money. 200 grand here, 100 grand there. And, like, we'd nod along just for fun, basically. But we're, we're thinking, jeepers, they're talking about a lot of big things and, um you know, it was so. I want to. Yeah. I want to get get into those specifics there because um, a lot of the time um, people don't really know the incremental steps, and they're the ones that are the most important. So you got in a room with your mates, you figured out what you wanted to do, yeah, and then you obviously thought about the naming, you thought about the product, yeah. you potentially put a presentation deck together, maybe you saw some legal peeps as well um, about legality stuff, and then you've gone in and you've, you've spoken to where you're sourcing the water or the people, the suppliers, most people know most of that, that sort of stuff. But then what was it that was the first big win and how did you get that going? Okay. It's interesting. You know, I, I, we weren't as prepared as we should have been. Like, I don't even think we had a PowerPoint deck. We literally had a, um, a mate did a mock-up of what the water could look like. So we had this like A3 poster we took everywhere and, and and we, we, we walk in and, you know, in these initial meetings, actually, before we pulled out the the image of the brand, in the first four meetings, we said we're launching a huge brand of water in Australia. And anytime someone asks, well, what is it? We say, we can't share that with you <laughs> due to confidentiality. <Yeah. laughs> and and people are looking at us like, what? I'm like, no. 
And so we can't share it with you due to confidentiality. We just need to know you're big enough to bottle for our brand. Now, these people looked at us like we're idiots, but they would tell us things like, okay, sure, you're not going to share your idea with us, but you need to have a minimum 2 million bottles a year. You need this, you need that. And we kind of use this as a bit of Intel kind of fact-finding mm. mission. And the reason we didn't, I mean, the reason we said it was confidential is we like we didn't know what we we're talking about. <laughs> So we're like, let's just say confidential. So we're in these meetings, we're leaving them, we're writing everything down, all the acronyms to Google later and stuff. And love it. we get to like, well, yeah, I'm sure you've done that. Have you done that? <laughs> yeah. 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 There's just way too many acronyms yeah. in some meetings, right? So about four meetings in, we go, cool. We're a bit stuffed. We've got an idea. We think it could change the world. And all these factories just talk about huge, huge investment, which we don't have. Um, and I mean, you're talking about like, what is the first win? It's interesting because I took the idea to a bunch of people with funding essentially and, and with money saying, hey, we've done our research. We've got an idea. We need possibly upwards of 250 grand. Would you back it so that we can get this thing to market? And people are like, no, like, I mean, you, you, I mean, you guys don't have a lot of experience, but you're up against these big brands and the water's a flooded market and all that sort of stuff. And we said, yeah, but it's going to change the world. And, the, you know, often one guy said like, but where are you going to get the money from to start this? Mm. I'm thinking like, th that's why I'm meeting with you. <laughs> I didn't tell him that, but, yeah. you know, I'm thinking like, why don't people see the vision? And so we did something a little bit crazy. We we backed ourselves. We, we um we went to, to the fifth factory and this time we shared the vision. We pulled out the poster, we said, change the world, put everything forward. And the factory manager, he's like, I love it. I'm in. Hmm. And we're like, yeah, yeah. Like, what, what does that mean? <laughs> he's like, he's like, I'll back it. Like no upfront costs. So wait, the, these are factories of suppliers. Is that correct? So, so these are the factories that make bottled water. So essentially they'll, you source your bottle from somewhere um, they'll bottle it, put a lid, put a label and box it right. up and you get it to market. Okay. And they were offering what? No upfront uh, costs. And most factories wanted to see a commitment of around a hundred grand hmm. um, in upfront sort of skin in the game, so to speak. Yep. Um, he said, I'll bottle for you. You go sell it. Then you pay me the cost of goods when you can. Wow. So essentially it's like a really extended or generous credit terms. But he did say, obviously, you got to get your own bottle because we didn't have that yet, um, which led us on to pitch to a company called Vizzy. Um, and for international listeners, I mean, that they are the largest packaging yeah. company in Australia. And so we pitched to their CEO. We got a meeting um, and their CEO came back uh, and, and made a donation of 30,000 bottles because he liked the cause and the concept. Um, and also they had a bottle mold that no one else was using. Mm. So we could use that. So now we've got a, a factory and we've got Vizzy. Okay, so um, that's really, really cool. Now, how did you even get these meetings? Yes, yes. I'm actually glad you asked that question because as I was saying that, I just thought to myself, man, if I was listening to this podcast, I'd be like, oh, good for you, mate. You just got meetings with CEOs, right? Right. And, and the reality is it, we didn't have connections back then. That meeting with that CEO at Vizzy, I literally... And you got to remember, we didn't know what we we're doing. So I called their 1-800 number on their website. Yeah. I said, I need to speak to the, the PA of the CEO. Yeah. And I, I got put through to her and I said, I need to meet with the CEO. She's like, cool. Just put it in an email. And so I did. I'm like, oh, I um, need to meet with the CEO. And she came back saying, uh, she's like, 
no, Daniel, you have to put in the email what it is you want to meet about. <laughs> you can't just say you need to meet with the CEO. Right. And I write back, now this is completely amateur, right? But I wrote back, look, unfortunately, due to confidentiality, yeah. we're only comfortable speaking face-to-face about this game-changing opportunity. And we actually said, and it, I'm not sure if it came across bold, arrogant, or just crazy, but we said we're not prepared to meet unless it's face-to-face. Like we won't disclose over email. Nice. She, yeah. sends, through, she sends through an email saying, yep, you've got your meeting, you've got 15 minutes. Um, and it was crazy, man. That's cool. It was so crazy. What was your subject line? Do you remember? Uh, literally confidential. It was our favorite word. Yeah, perfect. It, it, it kind of still is. Um, <laughs> so good. <laughs> but yeah, man. So we like, to be honest, man, we, we, we kind of, we, we got into these meetings and, and I, I mean, again, I put it back to that naivety. We didn't know what you can't ask for yeah. or what you shouldn't ask for. And this is the thing, right? Like, I love it. This is the, you know, this is the story that, um, that people don't hear much of. You know, we, totally. we we see so much of the the filtered life, right, yeah. on social yeah. media. But it's like this is, you know, whatever you want to call it, the hustle, the hard work, the, yeah. the grind. You know, this is what it's all about. And and you know, I I know the audience has heard me say this a million times, but you know, when I first um, applied for for a job out of design school, I sent three hundred emails. Yeah, man. When I was even, even before that, even grade 10 in, in, when I was 15, when I realized I wanted to be a designer, when we, we had to get uh, uh, work experience uh, for two weeks and I called 99 design agencies and none of them wanted me. Yeah, man. And it was the 100th call. So you just, you got to, you got to keep, keep putting it out there. And I'm, I'm actually surprised that you got a, a factory to, to back you on, on the fifth meeting. Um, yeah, man. And, and, and that, it's funny you say that because it, it actually built this like false, um, well, I mean, what, I mean, it's almost like just such a good story. we got the mm. Fifth Factory, Vizzy donates bottles. We're thinking this is awesome. Like this is how it works, right? Um, and then reality hit us in the face pretty hard after that. Mm. Um, Tell us about that. So, so it, well, it took a turn. I mean, we go from Vizzy, we walk in the doors of the largest distributor of beverages in the country called MBC. And the, I mean, the acronym meant nothing to us at the time, but <laughs> yeah. they, they distribute for Lipton, Red Bull, like these huge, huge companies. And we walked in there and we present the idea. We're like, we've got Vizzy, we've got a factory, we're good to go. Now, this is a cool story um, before it kind of turns bad, but in the pitch, the director hammered us for about an hour and we, we answered the questions around marketing plans and margins and the whole thing. And Did you have the answers ready? We, yeah, this time we did okay. because after, after being a little unprepared earlier, we, we kind of thought, look, it's, it's time to get serious here. Um, and then uh, just on that, man, in that busy meeting, mm-hmm. the CEO said, what do you want from, from us? there was this awkward pause and I thought, man, we can't just ask for like a bottle shape. Like that's not enough. That's not important enough for a CEO. So I said a bottle shape and 10 million bottles a year for free. I just pulled the number out from somewhere. (laughs) Jared, who is our CFO and my (laughs) best mate, his eyebrows go up like, like you idiot. The CEO looks at me and we're out the door. So I told you we got 30,000 bottles but we actually pitched for, for, for 10 million a year for free. So this is kind of us at the beginning, just pitching for the stars, hitting the moon kind of stuff. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, 
and, and, and so sorry to jump so much, but back at this, this pitch to the biggest distributor, he said, I love it. I'll take 50,000 units. How quick can you get it to me? Hmm. And I'm like, I mean, me and Jared and we're like, what? So, so to, again, trying to look professional, we're like, oh, <laughs> give us three weeks. <laughs> He's like, gee, that's quick. And we're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, we're pretty quick at thank you order. Um, we got no idea, man. So our factory manager, actually, he cracked it. He's like, what? It, well, he was, he was surprised we got an order for 50,000 bottles because he was the guy who said we'd never get them. But then he's like, three weeks, they said that. I'm like, nah, we did. He's like, you idiot. <laughs> um, so, so cool. So the story right now is this epic high, like everything's working. Until the first order goes out. Uh-huh. Um, and we had a pallet delivered to my mum and dad's garage because like we didn't have an office yet. And as we're unloading the water, like our team, like me, Jazz, Jared, a couple of, of our volunteers, we just went dead quiet. Yeah. And, and a third of all the product, um, the label was scrunched on, some to the point you couldn't read it. Oh, no. Yeah, and I called up the factory and, and it turned out they reckon the whole run was affected, called the distributor. And the distributor being one of the biggest players in the market, I mean, they're, in their excitement, they'd actually already sent it into store um, in Perth, Adelaide and Melbourne. Oh, no. And, yeah, so, so this man, when I put the call through, he's like, you have no idea what you're asking. You're asking for a product recall and they end brands like you haven't begun but we're already in stores. So it, it, that process. It took three months to pull product back out of stores and to sort it out oh and gosh. to get it back to market. And I suppose that that was our yeah our first dose of reality. Okay, what happened? I'm on my on on the edge of my seat. Okay, so we get we, we get product back to market. We're like sweet, we're all good to go. Right, false start. We built up to 350 stores stocking the water. So you pulled it off. It pulled was pulled off the shelf before you technically were a public uh, customer-facing Nah, unfortunately not, man. Brand. So, so, so it was already on the shelf. Yeah, it was on the, and we, we, we were crazy. We, we had no idea what we we're doing. So we should have got that pallet delivered to mum and dad's garage a long time earlier. Right. We just figured with the factory's professionals. So they ran it on a night shift. We didn't go and watch it because it was a night shift. We thought we'd sleep. And yeah. product went to the distributor. Such an important important lesson oh man such an important lesson and it was like it was like we were trying to be big you know what i mean like oh mm. uh, but but we weren't thinking small like we should have been standing on that production line yeah um and it was a really humbling process to be honest with you man like it was a wake up and and yeah we got back to market that sounds cool it was one three second sentence but it took us three and a half four months to get there you know like wow. it was a tough gig and when we got back into market, obviously some people were a bit ticked off. We messed them over with cafe orders and stuff. But um, we built to three three hundred and fifty stockers, so cafes and outlets. Wow! And then, and how did you do that? Was it just through connections from there? Or nah, man, it was it was actually. Well, I mean, we thought having a distributor. I mean, they're the ones that take the water to the store. We thought, cool, they're on board. It'll be everywhere. It, it wasn't. The product actually ended up sitting in their warehouse, and they're like, "No, guys, you have to go out." And sell it in. Okay. And then you have to let them know. Yeah. Yeah. So we so we're literally door knocking 7 a.m. in the morning till four or five in the afternoon, a few days a week, cafe by cafe. So those 350 cafes are like blood, sweat, and tears. And is it just like a proposal doc? And you're just going, guys, 
uh, we want you to take a look at this. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah, our yeah, vision. Yeah, and they're looking at you going, you want to watch? You want to fund water projects, change the – what the nah, – this isn't legit. Are you? Have you got media? Uh, and, you're, and you're asking them to switch their current water stock for yours. Yeah, man, or even just like would you please take one bottle for your fridge? You know what I mean? Like right. it, it was kind of like, yeah. And look, some some cool cafes kind of got it. Like the grassroots crew are like, yeah, this is this this could be the future. What a great idea. So you've kind of got those early adopters getting on board, um, some other ones that are harder to convince. But at the one-year mark with, with 350 stores on board, our factory, um, they stopped supplying product. And it, at first it was just for a week and they said, oh, next week we'll run product. And, and then it ended up being a five-week period. We didn't get any product. Mm-hmm. And we lost 300 of our 350 stockers in those five weeks. Crap. And what, why did they not? produce your product so so to them you got to remember we've partnered with small businesses and in their view we've we've messed over their business Mm. they've lost sales they could be with another brand water is one of those really high profit and high moving goods Mm. so we're on the phone going no no no, you get product next week because that's what our factory is telling us but because it delayed again and again and it was just broken promise after broken promise um, essentially, I mean, we got told everything, man. Like, um, one of our, so you weren't getting orders. Yeah. Is that what? No, no, no. What's happening. So, so cafes are ordering stock. Cafes are ordering. Yeah. But the factory isn't producing because they want to deal with another, um, a, well, large no, yeah, retailer. Yeah. Big supermarket. And yeah. Okay. And so we went down their priority list and they kept sort of promising the world, but never delivering. So yeah, man, we lost 90% of the business. We lost a new distributor in, in uh, up in the north and like Queensland part of Australia. And, you know, they, they summed it up with, you guys are just kids, you know. You don't know what you're doing. It's a big market, mm. you know. Okay. Yeah. And how, how did you respond to that? Well, wow. I, I think I actually said it's like it's not our fault. It's the factory and their older people. You know what I mean? They should know what they're doing, but mm. probably wasn't the most mature response. Um, the reality was it was our brand, our concept, and this is our problem. Mm. And we, we've got to own it. And so we lost that distributor. Um, we lost the customers and pretty much wanted to pack it up. Mm. Like it's clear we're a year in it. It hasn't worked. Um but there was how, how long was it from when you had the idea to when you were at that point that you're just talking about? So, so that's the one year mark. One year. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. One, one year in a couple of months. Um, Sounds full on in a year. Yeah, man. It, and it was. And I think we we had like a the hope. I suppose the hope that kept us going was that the two retailers were looking at the product, and they were both like pretty good size, like medium sized retailers. And we thought if just one take it, like it'll be. It will change everything. Yeah. So how did you, okay, how did you get back up on your feet and keep kicking on? So we got a new factory on board um, and and it was just, I mean, look, some people don't believe in miracles or coincidences or whatever, but I tell you, it was nuts because in those five weeks while we're going under basically, another factory called us saying they bought the product, like the concept, and they were interested in, you know, bottling for us. And we're thinking, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding. So so that was like cool timing and we transitioned to them for a relaunch, um, relaunch with them. Then those two retailers came back saying uh, no, which was like, uh, uh, that's not, you know, that I'm honestly, we didn't see that coming. At the same time, they both said no. 
Uh, we'd also launched part of the relaunch with a new distributor uh, in Sydney who literally said you'll be in 2,000 stores mm. in one month. And so we're like, cool. We send them water and literally like a truckload of water. And instead of getting a sales report, um, we got a letter from a legal firm saying they've gone into liquidation. Okay. So like this, this re-relaunch is like the biggest epic fail we've got. A bankrupt distributor. Um, we lost 20 grand of our own money in that. And just when I say our own money, like the, anything the organization had built up in funds had now gone into this, this, this next run of, of water, which has now disappeared. Wow. Um, the two retailers who said no, I mean, that was discouraging, probably a bit more discouraging uh, when they both came out with their own bottle of water that went to funding water projects. Mm. So it was like, cool like at least they're doing something good in the world and that's what we started this for but yeah it, it was sort of tough to swallow because we're like but that's everything we've presented mm. playing in front like out in front of us you know yeah so that mate that those those key events there at the beginning um you know this is the real story and this is real life and then yeah. i and you just can't make that up like this is you guys are living that and and um it's important that um and i'm i'm eternally grateful that you shared that yeah. because um, this is one of the reasons why I started this podcast. It's to get real stories from, from people that um, share not just hardship for hardship's sake, but yeah, just man. like, well, this is, this is what it bloody takes. Yeah, and, and you're going to get knocked down in ways that you have no idea about. And it's how you respond to that. Um, and, you know, we often see so many motivational yeah. quotes online and, yeah. you know, people say all this, but at the end of the day, action is everything. Totally, you know, bro. you guys kept moving, kept pushing, kept hunting it down, researching, calling, emailing, meetings after meeting, doing what you had to do. So, you know, hugely um, admirable and I applaud you for that. So when you talk about funding as well, um, and, you know, that's a big part of it. A lot of people yeah, think about, um, that and to the point of it hindering a lot of their ideas, um, especially when they too want to help in their own way. Yeah. So, um, since hundred percent of the profits are going to charity and, and for those listeners, if you go to thank you.co, um, if you look at their, uh, their structure, um, they've got a page there which actually, which actually talks about their business model, which I love. And they're really transparent, even to the point of showing their financials. Um, and so if hundred percent of profits are going to charity or, um, you know, your cause, how did you make ends meet back then? And how are you making ends meet now? Yeah, man, it's, just, it's a, um, it's a crazy journey. I mean, the, the structure put basically real simple is we're a business, um, makes great product, pays staff based on the charitable sector, does all the marketing and stuff, but it's 100% owned by our charitable trust. So the 100% ownership means that um, no founders or directors get any shares or profit. Um, there are no other shareholders. Every quarter we distribute our funds up uh, and 100% of those funds are paid out, in our case, to our project partners who carry out the work we do globally. But um, to answer your question, like how do we fund growth? So in the early days, um, I'd call it sweat equity <laughs> and bootstrapping. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, I mean, the first three years, we had no salaries paid um, whatsoever. So we worked not three years. Yeah. 
Jeez. So, and I mean, like you think the start of the story is bad, it gets worse. But those three years were no, I mean, we're working nights and weekends and doing probably 30 to 50 hours a week, no pay to get this dream off the ground. Um, so we didn't wait for funding for salaries to be able to start. We just, we gave it our all. Um, and now as we run as an organization, I mean, naturally as a business you have in your kind of day-to-day business operations, you can build in buffers to make sure you're not going to go bankrupt, you know, next payroll. But in terms of funding growth, it is tough. And we give out our profits quarterly. Um, you know, there's a small bit retained for suppose business viability but we just have to get real creative resourceful Mm. um and you know some of our biggest most epic things in campaigns we've run have cost us like 10 15 grand but they've got the results that some campaigns that had millions invested in it got so yeah it's it's a bit of a hardcore concept but um it's it's worked Mm. or it's working now it it, it sure wasn't there at the start yeah and and you know that's um it's really cool because it's kind of it's feeding your other um, one of your other modes of income, your personal income, which is um, you know speaking at events and con- and continuing to inspire other people as yeah, well. Yeah, totally. Um, which I love. You know, that's that's really cool. Um, so let's jump on to uh, the area of finding the right people. Yeah. Um, you know, creative collaboration is huge in accelerating outcomes um, and, and for an organization such as what you've built, um, how important is it to find the right people? Yeah, look, I mean, it sounds cliche to say what everyone says, which, you know, people is your most important asset or resource, but it, it, it is, man. Like what changed the game for us was, well, for me, surrounding myself with a couple of key people who are still standing beside me today. And we walked this together, Justine and Jared and um, as co-founders, but then finding great partners. And if you look at anything we do at Thank You, our campaigns, um, our even, even our products, I mean, it's all about great partnership. And I mean, even globally, the work we do, you know, if you met or interviewed some of the, the team on the ground who actually do the aid and development work like they are just as passionate as you are about what you do mm. you know as they are for, for for the work they do and when you when you can tap into passion creativity and talent and you bring it together mate you can achieve things that will leave everyone else kind of speechless i suppose and yeah and like i just bring up this this topic because for me i find that when i am in a conversation with someone that aligns with my values, it just heightens not only my sort of uh, experience of that subject matter, but it just heightens possibility. Yeah. And, you know, when you look at all the greats who we look up to that have achieved, um, you know, innovative products or services, we, we often forget and I certainly do sometimes, you know, get caught up in comparing um, my life with with theirs, um, what they were doing at the age that I'm at, et cetera. And we, we are human. We, we do think of that. But when you surround yourself by people who are in, even more passionate about your vision yeah. than, your, yeah. than, than you are, um, it's it's one of the recipes that I've found for success in, in whatever success looks like to you. But for me, it's, it's, it's in giving, it's in serving, it's in, um, leading with generosity and following with care. Yeah. 
and and when you surround yourself with with those types of people, as you have just testified to those key people in your life at the beginning, weathering the three year storm yeah. to get this up and running, mate, it's you know it's it's so crucial to to choose to choose the people totally, that you are you you hang out with. And even you know, a guy came through our office recently, and he's like, man. Like, what the heck? You, and this guy's like a big VC fund investor and he can't, like, they can't invest in thank you, as I mentioned, those shareholders, but he'd heard a lot of stories of things we did and he just wanted a bit of a tour. And he's like, man, you either have 38 really good actors or I just saw something I haven't seen before. I'm like, oh, okay, what do you mean? He goes, well, he goes, your staff, like, he goes, what, the, like the passion, like, where does this passion come from? Like, I haven't seen it. And I was like, oh, you know, I think because we're a cause-based organization, people are really passionate and they come and join us. And he's like, no, he goes, I've walked around charities and it's sometimes more depressing Mm. than the for-profit world or the startup world. He goes, it's something else. But what he's, I mean, I thought about it and I'm like, yeah, there is a heck of a lot of passion here. He he actually said, it's like you have 38 co-founders. I'm like, man, I know exactly, I know exactly what you, what you mean by that. Mm. Because we've, We've picked people over time who our values align. They are remarkable. I mean, these guys do some of the craziest work, not necessarily because they've had all the experience in the world, um, but but the values align and, and we come together to do some some awesome things. Yeah, that's so good. I, you know, it just reminds me of um, something I learned from uh, a, a young managing director when I was starting out in in the design industry, and he was only in his twenties when he was a managing director for a, a large um, global company. Yeah, and I just always looked up to him and always observed him. And one of the things I learned that I'll never forget is when he said, "The best way to motivate people is to find what it, what already motivates them." Yeah, and in that one sort of realization, it's it's it really. Um, you know, speaks to what you've just spoken about. Thirty co-founders. It's like there's thirty co-founders in your yeah. organization. Yeah. Um. And and you can see the power in that. Um. So that's that's so awesome. Um. Now let's talk about um. What you're doing now? Okay. Yeah. And that's what's, what's going on right now. Man, some crazy stuff going down. And you know, it's um. Just just before you say that, um, just for the listeners, this is being recorded right now on the second of March. And what um, what will be expressed by Daniel is um, all about timing as well. So go for it. Totally. And and you know what, man? I mean, we talked about naivety. We've we've fought to keep that the the dreamer. The but what if this works? You know, I mean, our world needs change. And and for us, we know that there's a billion people living in extreme poverty, and that's a number that needs to change. The global goal is that by 2030, that number will be zero. So we're like. I think at Thank You, we think we've tapped into something, it works. When I say it works, I mean, we were talking about it failing, but obviously it got to a point where the water worked. Then we added food and body care products. Every, I mean, they're now stocked in every major supermarket in Australia, um, which is awesome. Some of our products, so we've got... Because you won Coles and Woolworths yeah, over yeah. as well with your campaign yeah, so uh, Col- not too long ago. Coles and Woolies came on board after a huge consumer-led campaign. Um and, and, you know, that, that story is so important because essentially for five years we couldn't get our products into Coles and Woolies and because they've got 70% of the market, 
was a huge problem. So we went to the crowd and we said, and when I say the crowd, like the community and said, hey, guys, we've got all these great products. We've got muesli, food products now. We've got hand washes, body washes. They each fund um, aligning causes. And we need you to jump onto the Coles and Woolies Facebook wall and essentially petition for it. And it was this call to action that took off. And I mean, some people recorded videos, they sung, they danced, they rapped. Um, it was epic. A pe- pe- these two helicopter pilots flew their helicopters for free above the Coles and Woolies head office with these huge petition signs. And look, long story short, um, the people backed it, the crowd backed it, and together we saw um, record ranging. So we had products like the entire range range within uh, five hours of the meeting. Um, product hit the shelf, outsold every global competitor. Millions of dollars has now been raised. And and I suppose, Ram, for us, it's thank you's hit a tipping point in Australia where, yes, millions of dollars has been raised and impact has also been made. But for us, it's time to go to the next level. Um, and you touched on this. How do you fund growth? Hmm. It's actually one of our biggest challenges. Like, when usually a business model is working, you go get some capital, some equity, you get the investment and you take it to the next level. At Thank You, what we launched, what, four days ago? I've, I mean, I, I haven't slept much, so I'm pretty stuffed. Four or five days ago, we launched a video on Facebook that as of today has got over 300,000 views. And the video said, hey, everyone, here's our challenge. We've got an idea that works. We want to take it to the next level. And today we're launching like an epic crowdfunding sort of campaign. And what I've done is I, I, um, on behalf of our team, I wrote a book titled Chapter One. And in this book is our story for the last seven years, Um, but not just our story and the highs and the lows. um, It's also got anything we've learned along the way. And just to put it uh, kind of a little note in there, like I really wanted this to be the authentic, real, raw story, not the polished one. So I mean, people are getting that kind of what it's actually really like to start something story. But 100% of the profit from Chapter 1, the book, goes to funding the future of Thank You. And we've announced the launch, well, the proposed launch into the baby category with this like game-changing nappy range to take on one of the world's biggest FMCG companies, um, disposable nappies, reusable nappies, uh, body care products. And we've we've also uh, announced the hopeful launch of thank you into New Zealand being like the first test of could thank you work in a, in a whole other market. So we've gone to the customers to say, hey guys, buy the book, fund the future. And look, we're, we're five, four or five days in, it's scary, but we've had some pretty, pretty crazy results already. Yeah. And the, the other thing is, um, and, I, and the audience can check this out if they haven't already, um, at chapter one dot thank you dot co um but it is pay what you want yeah bro yeah it is man. <laughs> i mean everything we've done at thank you is kind of like it's like about challenging convention so i mean the, the clip we launched it was shot in one take for seven and a half minutes which was a little bit of a mission but we got there incredible video incredible video the book yeah the book is pay what you want and and essentially we're throwing it to humanity to say are we good or are we bad? Like, a, are we going to, you know, I, I mean, really, I, I love this thought that the, the call's in, so not the call, but the ball's in your court. Mm. You could pay a dollar, you could pay a hundred, you could pay a grand. Some people have paid a thousand dollars for chapter one because it's not really like 
yeah, what you pay for chapter one, it's what you invest into the future. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, right now, uh, what, what are we four days in? Yeah, man, uh, four days in. Video has gone mental, which is cool. Um, the book launched online in our online store with this pay what you want price, which is kind of risky, but kind of safe because it's our own store, but it also launched in a, um, in a bookshop first. So this is in every airport in Australia and New Zealand, uh, in relay Newslink, and watermark bookstores. Mm. And, and it launched it to pay what you want price. Right. Wow. So I got an email yesterday as I'm on the production line packing books. That's a whole nother story, but <laughs> <laughs> I got an email and I was in shock because three and a half days in, they've given us the feedback on sales and they say, your sa- like the sales rate of chapter one is second to only one other book launch, which was Harry Potter. Get out. Yeah, man. Like we, our team, and, and, and we've got photos of it now ranking number one in the watermark stores. And I mean, we're, 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 so cool. we're seeing it blow up on Instagram, like, and social. So people are tagging photos. And so we're yeah. like, we think it's going well, but man, when we got that yesterday, we were like, you, what the heck? Yeah. This is, this is working. So yeah, man. That's so well-deserved. And um, for the listeners right now, as I said, it is the 2nd of March and um, I'm just on the site now. The goal is to reach $1.2 million. Um, currently, it's up to 486000 And um, as, as I'm speaking right now, um, and basically you guys are getting kicked out of the, the warehouse, yeah. which has been um, freely uh donated to you, but only for how many days? I think we got 22 days left or 23 days left. And man, like our whole thing is like just... Have you got a date on that? Yeah. So it's the 25th of March. Okay. Um, that's kick out day. And what I've said is, hey, everyone, because um, a book is not an urgent product, but our funding is urgent. Mm. So I said, I'm staying in the warehouse eight hours a day, five days a week, packing books yeah. uh, on the live feed until people help us hopefully hit that target, man. So we've... We're kind of, we're off to a cool start, but we have a, a heck of a long way to go. Yeah. And and so for the listeners, this is exactly why um, I wanted uh, Dan to come on uh, ASAP um, because uh, when, uh, when I was sent the video, I immediately had to get in touch with Dan. So for those listeners, this has been less than 24 hours since I got in touch with Dan, got him to call me. We spoke. And then I said, dude, when are you free? Let's just get you on and, and share your story. And, you know, if, if anyone is moved by this story and, and the cause uh, and the vision of, of thank you, um, you know, that's another one or 10,000, <laughs> however many people actually uh, uh, hear this, um, uh, which contributes to their vision, um, ultimately all of us as well. Yeah, man. So, um, mate, a couple more questions before we wind down here. Um, what can you advise um, those students who are um, studying design or those who have just recently graduated um, and a, a creative field of some sort um, who are looking to make meaningful impact in the world? Okay. So, so look, this is my message. And I, to be honest, we are so lucky to have some of the best creative designers working in our organization. And when I say some of the best, like some of them now are mentored by like the ex Apple creative director and all that stuff. But most of our design team came fresh out of uni or they came 
with a little bit of experience but not heaps. But what I say to our creative team and any creative agency we work with is like I, I truly believe that creative, whether it's from photography to design to video, I mean, this stuff is what like changes the world is so cliche, but I can't explain, like I can't do the creative stuff and the design that you guys can do, but in my head I have this idea and this vision and you guys have this way to take that and to bring it to life. And depending on how well you do that or not depends ultimately on the outcome. And so when you look at our videos and our creative stuff and the web, the guys do a great job, but we we say, hey, dream big, go for the impossible. Like the our web guys are freaking because we had to custom build a site three weeks ago um, for launch because the site we were going to use actually didn't work because there isn't a crowdfunding platform that has pay what you want and a product that you have to deliver because we're, we're selling a book. So those three things are all three separate sites. Oh, I know it. I know it well. You know what yeah, I mean? And, like, and, and I am incredibly impressed by the... Uh, the website that you guys managed to pull off. Well, well, that's a three-week build, man. And Wes, I just saw him walk out the door. He's, he's, look, he's at the point of crying. But we, we've got there. But we, we challenge the, the way things have been done, and we push for great creative. And you know, I would say to any young designer or budding, like someone who's starting out, dream big. If you want to make a difference, you can. Like, I mean, Alfred. When I look at some of our photos, we had an exhibition last week, and it's just amazing. You know, people say uh, photos were, you know. What, worth a thousand words or something and, and i believe that if not ten thousand or a million words because yeah so so I, w- I would say yeah obviously chase the dream build re- build big like go big go for the the impossible stuff and you know i think a lot of our team started out volunteering in creative and i i really respect that you know i i volunteered as well not creatively but just with my time mm. but that kind of got some runs on the board and it turned into jobs. And now our creative team, like they get to design and create and get paid, you know, a salary um, based on charitable sector, but they get paid to create remarkable stuff and create huge impact globally. Yeah. Great advice there, mate. I really appreciate that. Um, if you could travel back in time for 30 seconds, uh, speak to jun- junior Daniel, perhaps the, the youngster finishing high school, um, what would you tell him? Oh man, you know what? Oh, I, I, you know what? I'm going to tell myself this as I drive home tonight. But basically, the junior me, I would have said, "Hey, mate, relax a little bit and have fun. Mm. Like, enjoy the process. It's a tough process, but you've got to enjoy it." And I think in the early days, I didn't celebrate the little wins. Mm. I was always like, "Yeah, but but what about the next big thing?" Yeah, you know, what about the next thing? And and I've learned to celebrate more. But as I'm even telling you that advice now, <laughs> and as our team we always talk about celebrating the little wins. Part of me is freaking out because we're still a couple of weeks out from this impossibly large target. And I'm thinking, I haven't celebrated the wins today. I've just got stressed and freaked out about this huge ambitious goal that we have, you know? So yeah, yeah, man, that's what I tell my younger self and even myself uh, right now. Great reminder. I'll uh, have to uh, let that sit with me as well. Definitely bite, bite um, what you can chew and, and enjoy uh, the taste. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Love it. Um, so who has been an impactful giant thinker in your life? Uh, perhaps someone that has inspired you to think bigger and dig deeper in helping you reach uh, your full potential? Such a good question. Um, There's probably a couple of people. I, I would say someone that I know that was a mentor, a guy named George Savides, who was a um, what was and, and still is the CEO of, of Medibank. And 
you know what? He let me do work experience with him when I was in year 10, just because my dad walked up to him and said, hey, could my son do work experience with you? And my dad had no personal connection. He just, my dad's a bit out there and he just says stuff like that. So hmm. I somehow get in the door. George has stayed as a mentor since then. He's always challenged me and stretched my thinking. But I think in terms of what's inspired me on a global scale, I mean, I've never met um, Nelson Mandela. You know, I've, I've never met um, you know, Will, 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 William Wilberforce. But when I've read their stories, um, you know, even the story of, um, I mean, <laughs> look, man, I, I could go on on this, but the point is I have read so many stories from people I've never met and they've inspired me just to challenge and to think big mm-hmm. and to ultimately make an impact bigger than just me, you know? So, yeah. so that, that's, um, almost like virtual, virtual mentors. That's it, man. Like I've got real yeah. mentors and virtual mentors. I mean, they're all real. Yeah. Some know me, some don't, but gosh, I've learned a lot from, from all of them along the way. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. Um, when you, uh, are reading a book or a piece that might be a blog post or, um, watching a video, it's as if you are diving into their mind to the point where, if you're reading a, a an autobiography, for example, it's like you're interviewing the author yeah. of that book, um, and it's and it definitely is a two way dialogue as you as you consume their information, you're interpreting that as well. Yeah, man. Um, so very true. cool. So, mate, uh, how can listeners get in touch with you online and the thank you uh, organization? Yeah, man. Well, look, hit me up on Twitter or or uh, Instagram, uh, Daniel Flynn eighty eight. Um, check us out on on Facebook. Thank you, Oz. Uh, Instagram, thank you, Oz. And, you know, the website mentioned a few times, thank you.co. Uh, we couldn't afford .com. It's too expensive. So we've got .co, but hey, we love it. Um, check us out. Follow the story. We're, we are uh, a, a brand that's been built by people and it's for people. And it'll only work if ultimately we all, we all back it. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, man, look, it's so cool to catch up. And yeah, it's uh, great to connect. Very cool. I, I um, definitely encourage everyone to go to thankyou.co. Uh, link is going to be on this podcast um, post and um, you have to watch the video, guys. It is it is quite uh, remarkable that it was in one take and just the, the storytelling and the, um, the creativity that uh, has gone into it, um, really engaging peace. Uh, Daniel, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us on the Giant Thinkers podcast. You've been uh, such an inspiration and I wish you continued happiness and success, not only to you, but all your uh, 30 uh, type of founders. founders well. Come on. Yeah. yeah I love it. I, I think we should change the titles. I love it, man. It's, it's literally like that. They're co-founders. I love it. I uh, wish you guys um, continued success, mate. And um, and I'm, I'm going to be backing you guys uh, as well. Um, and, and hopefully this can add to your um, success as well. Cheers, man. Thanks so much. There you have it, Giants. Thank you so much for joining me with Daniel. I hope you were able to take away something that you could use to help you on your journey. One cool feature that I personally love on the thankyou.co website is that you can actually track your impact. Whether you buy a bottle of water, a box of thank you muesli bars, or hand wash, there's a tracking code on each product and you can enter it on their website and see the exact location of the village plus detailed information about the life-changing project taking place to see exactly where your support is going towards. 
Now, the next guest is someone that I can't really do a teaser on because no one else has achieved what he's done. So this will be quite obvious. Uh, but the next episode is with a highly respected individual with many accolades, one of which is serving 20 years as the executive director of AIGA, where he was committed to advancing creative thinking from 1995 through to 2015 and still does today in many other ways. Now, if you haven't already, it would mean the world to me if you could please leave a review on iTunes by heading to giantthinkers.com slash podcast review. It'll take you right there. And if you do, send me a tweet. I'd love to hear from you. Lastly, a reminder to check out Solver the app that functions as a notepad calculator. Just type in your problem and Solver shows you the answer. It's smarter and clearer than a calculator and quicker to use than a spreadsheet. It's available for Mac, iPad, and iPhone. They've even been generous enough to give listeners 20% off. The discount is already applied if you head to giantthinkers.com slash solver that's s-o-u-l-v-e-r the clickable link is on this podcast post Alrighty, giants thanks again i'll leave you with a small request from me to at least head to thankyou.co they are aiming for a 1.2 million dollar target but watch their video at the very least it's about chapter one it's a beautifully art-directed and well-written piece of work. And as Daniel Flynn says, buy the book, pay what you want, and fund the future. 